Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. You're not going to believe this. Oh, oh my God. God. Five stars. Five and a half stars. Papa. My dad is my hero. Grandpa, are you ready? I love a good happy ending. Oh boy. Hey, hey, It's a phony baloney. And a tit for tatter. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. <laughs> Today, I caught up with Heather Cox after 15 years when we went on our Israel trip together. She's now a mom of five, a dynamic speaker, a business owner, and wife. She's the president and co-founder of Certify My Company, and I found out she was in the circus. Heather, welcome. Oh my gosh. So we have a lot to catch up on. For sure. I know. One of my clocks said six and the other one said 602. And then I was like, oh no, I'm late. But I was like, you know what? She's a mom of five. She's going to get it. She gets it. Totally. I am like really curious kind of like what happened after I met you. I did hear on another interview of yours that you were trolling my social media today. Oh yeah, I was doing that too. But I heard you got married like really quick. Like you met him and were engaged. We dated, like- yeah, we dated like six weeks and then we um, got married three months later. <laughs> Which is totally not like what you were doing prior. No, not at all. Not at all. All right. But you know, it's really funny. It's really funny. So right around the time that I got engaged actually, and then my voice is super raspy today more than normal because I've been traveling on the road and talking nonstop. So, <laughs> and the seasons changed here. So it's like a little bit a little more raspy than normal. Right around the time that probably like the week we got engaged, I guess the Today Show had done a series on dating. And my mom is a huge Today Show junkie, right? So she had seen that like, when you have certain things and the reason people date for so long typically is because they're trying to figure out like, do they even want to get married? Like what, you know, what's important to them? But you know, like the way that we dated, we dated through a pretty structured dating process we both went into it to get married so right there that cuts out like six months we both grew up we grew up like two hours from each other funny enough i know we met across the world we grew up two hours from each other we didn't have very similar situations as far as like the places we grew up but we had similar values as far as what we wanted our family to look like the things that were important to us he was definitely a little more rigid than i was so we had to kind of chill him out a little bit The funniest part is, and I say this all the time to people, is that even though we only dated like six weeks before we got engaged, and no, I wasn't pregnant when we got engaged, (laughs) is that I probably could not have picked a better match for myself. He drives me nuts, right? That's what husbands do. They drive me nuts. But I probably couldn't have picked a better match for myself than I did in him. And it's funny how we didn't like have this five-year courtship, right? It was very short, but yet he's probably the best match for me. That's such a blessing. And I know you know that. Yes. Wow. Do you feel like from the spiritual work that you were doing, like, did you see God's hand in it? I mean, a little bit. I think that it was really more to his credit because he had a different upbringing than I did in a sense. And he really worked on himself because he knew the type of marriage that he wanted. I mean, the sense of like, for example, my roommate in Israel went on a date with him and she came back and was like, I went out with this guy. I did not like him, but I think you will. <laughs> so she said, but right at that time he was having like this, do I even want to be here anymore? Like it's time to go and move on with my life because he had gone to law school. 
then he went to Israel. He graduated law school and went to Israel. So he never worked, but he was like, it's time to get on with my life. It's time to get back and get into things. He went to some friends of his that he knew from Florida where he went to law school. And they were like, are you sure you want to go back? Like, once you go back, it's kind of a game changer. You know, it's, it's hard to readjust to life. And meanwhile, this, the matchmaker that was trying to set us up that my friend had said, like, you really need to set my roommate up with him was like trying to get a hold of him. And he was like hiding out with his friends. Like he was like, I'm, I'm just, I'm not even like, he was just taking a break, like a mental break from the world. He was like ready to rebook his ticket to go back to the States. He, I guess he listened to his voicemail and he heard that he had a, someone was suggested to him. This family that he was close with was like, just go out with her. If she's a boss, you'll book your ticket and you'll go home. That's crazy. Right. And then we ended up like getting married. It was just like those kind of things we did see along the process. Right. But that kind of stuff was weird because like he was going to go home. Right. I was kind of like, all right, how long am I going to live here? I know I should really want to and desperately want to be in Israel all the time. I I just, that's not who I am. So I was kind of like, okay, I'm kind of done with living overseas. I'm ready to go back. And, but I wasn't rushing off like he was. Right. So it was just a little bit like that kind of thing gets into the puppet strings being pulled a little bit. Yeah. That's interesting. So we went on a trip together. I think yes, we're pretty so we much like same age and we've been right. married around the same amount of time. But how long have you been married now? So I'm coming up on 15 years. Oh yeah. Right. So we're 14 years and like five days, right around <laughs> the same time, right? Right around the same time. How long did you stay in Israel? So I got pregnant a month after we got married. And so I did not want to give birth in Israel. I know people do it every day, but I was petrified that I would be like, I want an epidural. And they'd be like, you don't need one. They're like hardcore over there. Right. And I love me some epidurals. So I was not about to try to give birth in a place I didn't speak the language. So I was like, all right, time to go home. So we stayed there about five or six months. And then we went back to New York because that was where he took, had only taken the bar, but we left in 2008. I don't know if you remember 2008, but it was not an opportune time. <laughs> That's when be... I had my first kid too, right? Well, not only that, but like he was a brand new lawyer with no big white shoe law firm experience. Moving back to New York, recession hit 2008, right? All these people who were making tons of money are now taking entry-level positions. So they're not hiring these entry-level people for entry-level positions anymore. So he's just like, it wasn't a great time. <laughs> if okay. we moved back plus, or so- like- First year marriage, you're pregnant. You don't know this guy. Yeah. We've known each other like less than a year still. (laughs) I mean, can we talk about how that is not a smooth thing to do? Not an ideal situation for a brand new marriage, right? (laughs) But so many people in the religious community do this. Right. Well, you know, I will say though, if I hadn't have been turning 30 and if every doctor hadn't told me it's going to be very hard for me to get pregnant, I would have probably waited a little longer, but I had all these like supposed challenges ahead of me. Right. So I was like, no, we can't wait. Like we, this is going to take me a long time to get pregnant. It did not. (laughs) Did you do the whole, like get on birth control thing to make sure like wedding night? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 Like I, you know, I only have one ovary. So the other one like blew up when I was 17. So they kept telling me like, Oh, you know, you're going to have to take your temperature. You're really going to have to work at getting pregnant. Dude, my husband sneezes and I get pregnant. So that is not a problem in our house, right? I can relate there. Yeah. So yeah, I probably would have waited a little bit longer just to make it a smoother transition, but whatever. Well, congratulations on making it this far because (laughs) so many haven't. Yes. Oh, it's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. I know. 
And I'm sure you've seen that. Like, yes. Especially sure. even from the trip that we went on. Oh, you're really one of the few people. I mean, I see the Jacobs, right? A lot. Whenever I go to LA, I still see them. Oh, that's so awesome. Right. I mean, I knew Javi before our trip, like his, like, you know, Robert Jacobs' wife. So, uh, but you're really one of the people I keep up with on social media. Like Sarah, I ran into once randomly in LA, but she's not really on social media so much. And, you know, I run a business. I have five kids. We live in Nevada now. So I don't really see these people in my day-to-day life. So that's why that is like the perk of social media. And I know there's a lot of negatives and it causes a lot of like body dysmorphia and insecurities and all the things that social media can do to you. But I really like, I can keep up with people. I like people. I like keeping relationships up. I like that as somebody I haven't seen in five years, it's like, I'm going to be in Nevada. Can we grab a drink that I can be like, yes, that's awesome. Like, Let's catch up in person now. Not everybody likes that. I do. So I like that part of social media. So other than you and like the Jacobs was not, I don't really talk to anybody else from that trip. I wouldn't even know what anyone else is doing at that point. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I'm also really curious, like how you got to Israel in the first place, because one thing I do remember about you, and I hope this is okay to say, if not, you can tell me. (laughs) Is that one time I saw you like bending over to tie your shoe oh, and your shirt my went tattoo. Up, and I was like, dude, she has a past life. I was like, she's tattooed up. Yeah. You know, it's really funny because a lot of people are very, like, they don't, they, they're very shamed of that part of their life, whatever, or they don't want to talk about it. I'm very, I'm an open book. It's just my nature anyways. Right. But you know, my kids know about it too, because it's just, it's kind of part of your journey of that entire process right? It's just, it's part of my past. Yeah. It's actually a really funny story though, because when we were dating, obviously, you know, we didn't, we did a very traditional courtship and we did, we're not, we didn't have any relations before we got married, but I also knew that not, not everybody that's Jewish, especially in the more observant world appreciates tattoos and the artwork. So I asked, I asked this rabbi, I said, should I tell him before we get married? Like, should I tell them that I have a tattoo? Cause it's, it's not a tiny one. <laughs> And he said, look, it's not like trickery. It's not like he can say, ah, she didn't tell me like I'm ending this marriage, but it wouldn't be a bad idea to share this information with him ahead of time, just so he knows. So we're on like our fifth date, right? Because the fifth date's the big, when you share all the big stuff date, right? So I said, we're talking. I'm like, oh, we're at dinner. I'm like, so um, I have a tattoo. Can you pass the water? (laughs) He was like, what? I said, I just want to let you know, like I have a tattoo and he like asked me some like existential, like, does it define who you are? I'm like, no, it's like a fairy. It's pretty. That's like, I'm not that deep of a person Then on the wedding night, right? Like my wedding dress. I, I love that. You know, like the line of buttons, the tiny buttons all the way up and down. I wanted the look. So I asked them to do it with the, the zipper, but they, in fact, put like a hundred tiny little buttons all across down the back of my dress. So I was like, so buddy. He said, I unbuttoned my dress for like wedding night, right? So as he's unbuttoning this dress, he's like, you said a tattoo, not a mural. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. How long did that tattoo take to do? Well, it's actually two different ones that kind of came together a a long time. It was a good like 10 hour session for one and probably like a good 10, 20 for the other. There's pretty substantial, but, and so I think like, so my kids know what they are. And so somebody that's really funny, if we have other kids over, sometimes I have to be a little more careful because not you know, so I'll say to their parents, like, like one time we had these, our neighbor, our little neighbor girls were over and we were all playing in our little backyard pool. And I said to the mom, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't even think about it. And she's like, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> but I, I am like a little sensitive to other people's children that don't maybe have the same background. <laughs> wow. That's really considerate of you. Yeah. 
How have you stayed so on the program? Well, I don't know if I would say I stay on the program. You know, actually one of my friends, she is very culturally sensitive. And she said to me, can you suggest some books that I can read? I really want to understand more about your culture. She's like, it's very foreign to me. So I said, I said, I can definitely give you some options, but I don't want you to judge me if you (laughs) read them because, well, some people may be fluid in their gender. I am fluid in my observance sometimes. And sometimes it's harder for me than others. But somebody said something to me really interesting very early on in my, my growth or my journey. They said, if you give up everything about yourself, you will lose yourself. And so I didn't like, I'm still like this very outgoing, bubbly, loud person, which isn't encouraged. It's not necessarily always encouraged, but that's just who I am. And I love all kinds of people. They're not all people who fit into the box that would be appreciated or approved necessarily. So I think that, and sometimes like I said, my husband, I'm like, I just got to go out dancing. Like, I'm sorry. Like I just have to go feel normal. And that is something that we've had to work on together is that, you know, there may be times when he's a little bit more on like a higher level than I am. And sometimes I am and vice versa. And so we really have to, we made it a choice that we weren't going to judge each other, that we wouldn't push each other unless we said like, like if it came up in conversation, like I really want you to help me get better at this specific component of it. But we really have worked to make it that it's, um, we're not the mishkiach, the like supervisor of each other. And there's parts that are very easy for me. Like I love covering my hair. I love having amazing hair all the time. And it takes me five minutes to get ready in the morning. Yeah. My hair okay? is wet under this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like I, I, I tell my husband, I'm like, if we give up everything else, I'm probably still going to wear a wig because I love it. Did you grow up though, where your parents were doing that? Like having guests over for different holidays and things? Yes, yes, yes. So we always had guests in our house, right? So like, and my parents, for example, were, you know, my sister and I grew up performing in a circus. My parents were the president of the booster group. So every week or every, I don't know, it feels like every week, there was people in our house at a meeting and they would always have entertaining going on. We'd have like, we usually with our family, it would rotate because we grew up doing Christmas and Hanukkah and Passover and everything else. And so I think that maybe that's why it's not uncomfortable for me. It's a good point because we, I always saw it growing up. Okay. I didn't know about the circus chapter. You either. didn't know? What? Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. So my sister and I grew up performing in the circus. It was in Redlands. Redlands, California is where I grew up. And there was a youth circus there. It was started by a, a man named Roy Coble who started it to, to have, to give something to wayward boys to do. They would come in, they would do gymnastics and vaulting and all the cool, like sort of clowny, circusy stuff. And it just kind of grew. And so my sister and I did it from when we were six. Like really, my parents took us one year because they were like, oh, let's take the kids and see the circus. And I was like, sequins and sparkles and fun stuff. I'm in. I count me in. And oh so my God. I saw that on your profile that it said circus. And I was like, yeah. is that just some creative name? Like I nope, did not make the connection. <laughs> Wow. So what did you do in the circus? So I did unicycle and I did juggling and I did Spanish webs and tightrope and all kinds from when I was six to when I was 18, I did it. And even one summer before ninth grade. And I remember it was before ninth grade because, so we went, we did like a Vermont and New England, there's a circus called Circus Mercus. It's another youth circus. And so 10 of us went to that circus for the summer and performed all over New England. And because I did that though, I couldn't be a cheerleader in ninth grade. That's such a big period of your life. Yeah, it was. How I mean, has that yes. shaped you? First of all, I think that's why I'm very comfortable on stage. Like when I speak at events, I'm very comfortable on stage because I've been on stage. I also think it really get like I always joke that 
I work in diversity now, right? So we do diversity certifications and the circus will take anybody. If you're willing to do the work, they don't care what color you are, like what side, like if you're willing to put in the work and be part of the team, they will take you. So it also kind of lended itself to me really appreciating other people. One of, people will ask me all the time, what's your best advice when you go to conferences for other people? And I always say, never underestimate anyone you meet. Everyone you meet has something that you can learn from. They have a connection you don't have. They know something or someone you don't. So don't underestimate anybody you meet ever. I think that's a little bit from what the circus is, right? Because there's people who may not be very good at certain components of their life, but then they, you know, they fly up to the top of the pyramid and they shine and they're so good at it. Wow. Is it something you would want your kids to get involved with? I would, I would love for them to have some kind of physical outlet. You know, it's actually one of the things that we struggle with. So my kid's school goes eight to four. It's a long day, which is fine. I'm happy for them to go eight to eight. If it gets, <laughs> if it keeps them out of trouble, but most of the extracurricular activities I have found start at three or three 30 or at four, I can't get them there. So that's been really hard as far as finding extracurricular activities for them to take part in just because of the timing, I'm really slowly trying to find things for them to do, whether it be dance or, you know, so I've done a few virtual dance courses. There's a woman, a, a colleague of mine in a mastermind, and she has, a, she has a, a mobile dance studio and she goes to public schools and private schools and she has dance classes. But she, during the pandemic, we couldn't do that. Schools were closed. So she started doing them virtually. Signed my kids up for a few of the virtual dance classes, all of them, all five boys, girls alike. Dance is an incredible fitness activity. It's incredible strength training. The twins, my youngest ones, they had a good time, but just because that's just their nature. You've got five kids. You've got your own business. Like what is a typical day for you? So typically I get up about 345 or four and I go to the gym. So Mondays and Wednesdays, I get up at about 345 or four and I go to the gym in the morning. So I have to be home by 620 in order to get myself ready to get everybody else ready. And then I get them to school and then I go to work. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'll get up about five, five 30. So I sleep in a little bit later and just do a little cardio in the morning. Cause I don't usually go to meet with a trainer in the afternoon on Tuesdays and Thursdays at the gym. I'll, and my gym has a great playroom daycare. So I bring the little three at least cause they can't be left home alone because they don't listen to anybody at home anyways. And then Fridays, I go to a class in the morning. But Fridays, I have scheduled myself out of the office. So I typically try to take care of the day. That's my day to get my eyelashes done, or if I have to run errands, or if I need to walk around Target for an hour without anybody with me, I can do that on Fridays. How did your business evolve from like moving to New York, getting pregnant right away, not knowing this guy, living such a different life abroad? Yeah. Did you take a little breather there? Like, were you mommy for a bit? I did hear that you and your husband said you didn't have date nights for eight years. Yeah, we did not for a very long time. So no. The, so when we moved back, as I said, it was 2008, there was not a whole, not a lot of great jobs for attorneys who didn't have any experience. So our agreement was that I would just be a mommy for, I'd be able to see the estate home mom for a little bit, right? That dream never manifested. <laughs> so because we came back, we need money. I got a job at a nonprofit. Um, it's called Partners in Torah. I mean, when you're five months pregnant, not a whole lot of job options out there, whether they tell you that or not, but not a whole lot of people want to hire you when you're five or six months pregnant. <laughs> I don't love the nonprofit world. I think Partners in Torah is a great mission and I like what they do. I'm not necessarily like gung-ho on the nonprofit world where they run the bit, whatever it is. And so I was just trying to figure out what my life wanted to look like and and also, you know, they were cutting our hours because it was 2008 and the donors weren't coming in. And so I was just kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. And I was interviewing women 
not actual interviews, but it felt probably felt like an interview to them. I'm like, okay, so you're an executive, you're part-time, you run your business, like whatever. And I'll tell you the entrepreneurs, I was like, they were just like, they just had this passion and, and this huge, and I love huge personalities and they had these huge personalities and I just loved it somewhere along the line. Right. They were like, and there's this certification. I just can't get it done. And I'm like, hold up. You run a company and you can't fill out an application. Like I, I just could it didn't resonate. I couldn't understand what they were talking about. So I went home and I did some research and I'm like, what they're asking for, like what something's called in California, a document is not always what it's called in Texas or New Jersey but it's called one name in the application. So people are probably like, I don't even have that. Like, forget it. It's, I can't, I got to look for it now. I'm running the, this is even before I understood what running a business looked like and the amount of constant, of everything that's coming at you all the time. I was like, oh, I could do that for you. No idea <laughs> what I was getting myself into. Not, I was like, I could do that. That's entrepreneurship. <laughs> so I You're did like, you it. You want to pay me? I'll figure yeah. it out. Right. And it was like, I mean, we charged like a thousand dollars back. I mean, we charged like nothing for this massive process. People just kept referring them to us. And then it just kind of grew and we evolved and we, we upped our prices. And, you know, you, when I realized that nobody was saying no to our price, you're like time to raise it. It was too low of a price, right? There has to be somebody who thinks it's too expensive or it's, you know, so, and so then, you know, our name just got out there and people started telling this person, to, honestly, to this day, we have, we have not spent money on marketing until this year is the first year I really, other than like going to conferences and events, because people just kept telling each other. And then like five years ago, one corporation, one big company, um, actually, this is, this is like the funniest way it started is every time I go to the conferences, I would go up to the corporations, like the fortune 100. And I'd say, here's what we do. And they're like, that's cool. And they were like, no interest, right? So I went up to one, it was Target, it was back in the day that I was telling them like what we do. And she's like, we would never hire you. I just want you to know. Like not more than a month later, she calls me and she's like, I think we're going to hire you. I have a, like, we really want to support some of our suppliers that are in our supply chain. We will pay you to do their certifications. I was like, you must've been nice on her telling you that. Oh yeah. Cause you know what? That was when I really realized that when someone says no and oh, it just really means they don't K-N-O-W. They don't know what they, what they don't know. So that really started. And then a couple of years later, we, we had at one point in time, like a true competitor. And I had been courting companies like Johnson and Johnson for years. And they're like, we already have somebody that does that. And there was no reason for them to change. They were very happy with her. She was good at what she did. And then she said to close her business. And she said, but you should call Heather because she's the only other person that I think would do as good of a job as I do. And so we got Kaiser and Johnson and Johnson. She handed them to us. Now, once we had those two and we can market and tell people like, oh, we do business with Fortune 100 is what we do. The trust factor really grew and more corporations realize it. So now we changed, right? And and so now it became our individual entrepreneurs who were like 100% of our business became less and less, right? We still do a ton of work, but our corporate business is now probably 75, 80% of the business where we bill directly to the corporations for facilitating certifications for their suppliers or doing educational programming or coming to speak about supplier diversity and certification to either their internal teams or their suppliers. This was just literally from somebody telling you. Yes. It's a comment. You're like, I could do that. Yes. And then, so then what happened is in 2020, the one little sparkly, shimmery, glittery component that came out of 2020 is that the world and specifically the United States realized that when you don't support your small local diverse businesses, the economy is hit hard. 
because that's why it was so tragic is that small local diverse businesses got hit hard. And then the George Floyd thing happened. There was a lot of racial tension. A lot of the corporations put up very public proclamations, right? Like you can look it up Facebook's like, we're going to be spending $1 billion with diverse businesses. Like once you put that kind of public proclamation out there, they're not going back. You can't be like, well, I mean, we, we realized we didn't really need to do that. Right. Yeah. So we were just getting phone calls right and left last year. Why do people need to do it though? Certify their companies and be a diverse business. That's a great question. The reason people get certified is for opportunities. Okay. So as entrepreneurs, here's what happens. You're like, Hey, do business with me. Hey, do business with me. Like knocking on the door. Hey, Hey, I'm so good. And you're like, if they would give me five minutes, they would love me. And they would totally want to do business with me. And they would know that I would rock their world, but they don't want to give you five business, five minutes of their time because a, they either have a supplier, which they don't think anything is broken. So why are they going to look for anything else? Or they're like, she can't handle the job. She's too small. They can't do it. They just don't know. They don't want to give you the time of day because it doesn't seem like it's broken. So when you are certified through one of the third-party organizations, there's a side door. It's called supplier diversity. And there's an advocate who's like, hey, come here. And if this advocate likes, knows, and trusts you, and they feel that you are qualified and capable and you're certified, they will make that internal introduction for you and advocate for you to get more work. Now, if you never want to visit the Fortune 100, it's still fine because there's 16,000 other certified women-owned businesses that you could also sell to, right? So when I get a new website, when I'm getting, I'm, I'm having these customized hats made, I'm looking to a certified diverse supplier to do those for me. So then what happens is once you're in the door, once you get that introduction, you better sell like you've never sold before. Like you got to sell like any other sale you're going to do. But then Let's say it's you and another company and they're, and they're like, oh, that post so good. How am I ever going to choose? Ah, that certification is going to tip the scales in your favor. That's really amazing. So when did the mastermind come about? So Allison, who runs Pinnacle Global Network, someone said to her, like, this is like a perfect example of people not understanding the value of certification. Allison Maslin is, she started and sold like 10 businesses. Very smart woman. She's done very well financially. She has published multiple bestsellers about business. Okay. One of her people who she'd known for a while, her name is Robin said, Allison, you need to get certified. And Allison's like, it's only for people who want to do business with the fortune 1000. I'm not going to do it. It's, it's not, it's a waste of my time. And Robin's like, Allison, I'm telling you, it's going to be good for you. And she's like, Oh, I don't want to. Then there was an event that was close to where Allison lived is in San Diego. So Robin says, Allison, come with me to the event. So she sits down and she's like, I'm an idiot. Everyone in this room is my potential client. <laughs> she called me and she got, I got her certified. We facilitated her certification for her. And so then she said, would you like to come to one of my events? It's actually in Vegas. So then I said that I was like, another event, like everyone's going to come to their events. How many gift baskets can I look for? So then I go to the event and I'm like, everyone in this room is a potential client for me. So I kept going to her events because I really liked them, but it is an investment that you have to make into your company. And I have a partner. She doesn't work in the day-to-day operations, but for like the big picture strategic stuff, I like to run those kind of numbers by her. So I wouldn't do it without, and she from a distance couldn't understand the benefit of it. So I made her come finally. I'm like, I'm flying you in. Like, we're going to fly you in. You're going to come to the event. And she's like, I see why you want to do it. It would be good for you. And so I signed up. And so it's been two years now that I've done it, but there's people in the group that have been there eight years, 10 years. And they keep signing up again because it's that, like just knowing how to hire, right? The team component of a company to me is the most challenging. Getting your team up to speed and just growing out of, from being like so inundated with the day-to-day parts of your company to now, now being able to be like, 
I had to take off almost the entire month of September, right? There was like eight working days in September with all the holidays this year. Oh, I know. <laughs> the company kept going, didn't fall wow. apart. Five years ago, I can't say that would have been the same. What percentage of women shoppers said they'd be more likely to buy a product they could easily identify as women owned? It is 90%. Wow. 90%. So this is not like, you know what? It just feels good. No, they want more money and they're going to make more money and the shareholders make more money. Okay. So the retail is an easily, an easy, tangible example, which is why I give it right. But it goes across the board. Like pharmaceutical companies are always using diverse suppliers as well, because they need to understand as many demographics as they can to make more money. That's what it comes down to. So some of the really fun success stories we had is, so there's a vodka company, okay? It's called Square One Organic and delicious vodka, women-owned. And they heard, because during the pandemic, a lot of people were increasing their consumption of, of alcohol, right? So vodka was one of those. And she went to her store and she noticed in one of her local stores that there, or maybe it was like close to her or whatever, but there were out a lot on her shelf, on the shelves, specifically a vodka. So she had made a relationship with um, a supplier diversity manager at one of the large grocery chains. And she emailed him and just said like, Hey, I was in this area. And I noticed that you had a lot of supply problems in that area. I can solve this problem for you in this region of the country. And he was like, great, do it. So then it just got a good lesson, right? She said, I can solve this problem for you. I have, I have amazing vodka. Right. And she had already sold like little bits and pieces to him. So they had a relationship, which is the key component, which I cannot stress enough is the relationship. Right. So the same thing for like, I'm trying to think of some other, other products that are great examples, like, you know, screwball whiskey, people love their you know, screwball whiskey, the, the peanut butter whiskey, people love them. And then they realize they're women and disability owned. It's like, they love them even more. Right. Because more and more people want to know where their money's going. And we all know the adage, like if you don't, you know, when you buy from a woman owned business, you don't buy a CEO, a second home, right? You buy a little girl dance lessons. I say you buy little girls tuition, but even if you're saying tuition, you're putting that money back into the community. And that's why supporting diverse businesses is so fundamental because about 70 cents on every dollar when you buy from a diverse business goes back into their demographic, into their community. Oh my God. Well, I'm so excited about like how far you've come. And like, I love too that you know, you'll go out dancing and that you're willing to laugh loud and you're willing to like (laughs) incorporate the pieces of you that make you who you are. And then you're still cool, like rocking the wig and rocking the colors (laughs) and doing your business and, and being the mom. I mean, that's so much. It is sometimes a lot. (laughs) And my oldest is extra (laughs) 13. I have one. I mean, my mom half age. My mom used to always say, she always tells me whenever she comes, she's like, I used to pray you'd have a daughter just like you, but I think I prayed a little too hard. (laughs) My seven-year-old, on the other hand, is the one my husband says, you have fun parenting yourself out of her. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I also am really curious, like, are there parts of you that you don't share? Like, are there parts of you that you have like chosen to refine? I mean, I don't cuss as much as I used to, I guess. I mean, I don't know if it's because of the religious component, which I think is what you're asking. I do think that just maturing a little bit does also, right? Like I find that, you know, I will say I can't go out and party on a Tuesday sometimes because I know I have a lot of responsibilities in the morning. Whereas like, I didn't care what day it was before. So, but I think it's more like maturity. And age. I don't bounce back like I used to. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I was up out and I'm like, I'm 25. And the next day I'm like, I am not 25. <laughs> yeah, I got that. But here's what happens when I go out, right? Anyway, so we're at the show and this guy gets up, this comedian, this black guy, and he's like he's talking about this app that he created called Blapp, B-L-A-P-P, okay? It is... Uh, it aggregates local black owned businesses. So it goes by where you're, where you are, like whatever zip code you're in, it finds you on your location and it tells you. So I'm like, uh, hold up. That is my jam. I know all about this stuff. But you should have that for your company too. Well, so that's a whole different conversation. We do not even have time for that. So anyway, so after the show I'm leaving and he's in the audience now, he's sitting there at the table in the back. And I was like, so, Hey, how are you making sure all these companies are really black owned? And he's like, what? I'm like, you were talking about, it's like, how are you going to, confirm that they're black owned because anyone can say they're a black owned business. And I was like, make sure they're certified. You should have a way they can upload the certification and you can double check. And he's like, what? We should have a meeting. He's like, this is, we have to have a conversation now. So I set a meeting, (laughs) but like, we'll go to the bar. And if somebody says to me and my husband, it drives me crazy because I do this all the time. I hear someone's like, oh, I run a company. I'm like, are you gay? Do you have a disability? Are you a minority? And he's like, stop asking inappropriate questions. I'm like, I've not once been punched in the face. I think people find it endearing, actually. <laughs> oh my God, that's really good. I'm kind of like that with my podcast. My dad is See? definitely like that with my podcast. He's telling yeah. everyone, like Uber drivers, people he's yes. on the plane with. I'm like, right. okay, it's too much. Oh, you know, I, so I get the Uber drive. So, so for some reason, I got I took Uber one time. I tend to take Lyft more than Uber, but I took Uber this time and I was waiting for it. So it, it shows you about your driver and his bio is talking about this workout equipment that he made so then i'm like googling the equipment and i'm like and i see he's a black guy on the app so i'm like i get the uber and i was like so i see you're an entrepreneur tell me a little bit about <laughs> he's like how do you know that i'm like it's on the uber app he's like you've read that that's funny so you are always on kind of like a realtor but at the same time it sounds like you have enough business to kind of keep you busy we do but you know what is the statistic 8 million or oh, 11 million women-owned businesses in the u.s there's fifteen thousand that are certified there's some work there to do Wow. And right. to do more and more work, do you plan on hiring more people? Like how oh, yeah. I'm, I'm hiring right now. We're always hiring. Always hiring. That's one of the things I actually got from my mastermind, right? From okay. Pinnacle, talk about that. Is always be hiring because you don't want to do it in a, like when you have to do it because put out a fire or whatever you want to do it in a calm manner. You want to hire slow fire fast. So you want to be always looking for people. So Sometimes you're a little over overstaffed, but that's means you grow into it. So I think what happens, like the old school mentality was wait till you're drowning and then hire. When you're drowning, you can't get anything done and you can't get it done well. That's for sure. Like I see where we have the most issues, complications in our work is when we're drowning. All right. Well, let people know how they can get in touch with you. <laughs> yeah. So all of our social media is at certify my co it's Instagram, Twitter, all of it. And then always there's certifymycompany.com and you can always bring me into an event. I'm super fun. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> you like the events. What's your drink? Yeah. Oh, so my, my current drink is a mojito with no simple syrup. That's my current drink of choice right now. Yeah. I love mojitos. Oh my gosh. They have but really good ones in New York. Everywhere. Like, it just, it's actually not true. I used to just get vodka soda and I kind of like outgrew it a little bit. I also am a big bourbon drinker. I love whiskey, women owned whiskey right here. Delicious. Only in the Northeast though. Somebody's there. Please send me some because you can't get it in Vegas yet. Boston Harbor Distillery. But then I start drinking this mojito with no simple syrup and I'll go places and they're like, oh, we don't have the stuff for that. I'm like, what? You don't have rum and mint? Like, I wonder too, like if there's something you want kosher, are you trying to like get some of these brands that come your way to like get that certification too? Well, Sauce Goddess wasn't certified, wasn't kosher when when you met her. And I was like, come on. It's like, it's so easy. And I was like, ask your co-packers. I guarantee you, 
sure enough, they're all kosher already. So it was like, it cost her like 250 bucks to get the kosher certification side because everything was already good, easy to do. So yeah, so she got that one. So you need like a rabbi in your back pocket. You're like, I've got these cool brands that are coming. Actually, I do have one in my back pocket because there's a couple of people here who work for certified organizations, for kosher certified organizations. And some of them have side hustles of helping people figure out how to get sort of uh, get that kosher certification, I should say. So I do. I've connected them a few times. I would think that there's a big market there too. Cause there are a lot of things that you can't find kosher. Like what? Kimchi. My husband's been trying to find that forever. I don't know. I would not eat that. Cause isn't that just sour? That's sauerkraut, right? Yeah. Cabbage. I don't eat cabbage. Right. No, but my mouth might like it. My stomach, however, not so much. The one thing I would love to see is boba tea. I miss boba tea, man. I want some kosher boba tea. Somebody hook me up. I need some kosher boba tea. (laughs) Well, there is a kosher Dunkin' Donuts in Chicago and they now have boba, but I mean, it's so sugar filled. Sometimes I'm okay with sugar. Sometimes I just need a boba tea. I think you can get it at the kosher Dunkin' now. Where is that? There's one on Devon. Oh, in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. There's two in Chicago. It's just, it's, is it already cold there? Like I'm not getting there before spring. I'm telling you, I can't do the cold. It's starting to get cold. I don't even have clothes for it. How did you end up in Vegas? So when we were in New Jersey for six years and, you know, my husband's career was just not taking off still. And one of his clients said to him, we're moving all of our companies to Las Vegas because we're going to save like, it was like 60 grand a month in taxes or something they were saving by moving to Vegas. So they moved their company and he said, they said, we need an in-house counsel for like 18 months or whatever. And he was like, should we do it? At the time, there was a community in Summerlin and there was one closer to the strip. But there was like rabbis and like one other family here in Henderson. There was like nobody here. But the school was here. They had all the infrastructure, right? They had school, they had a shul, they had, they had all the things you need. We checked it out. And I was like, I'm good. I'm in. I want to be West Coast again. And LA's gross. Is the school so, mixed? Like what's the school yes. vibe? So the yeah. school is probably 80% observant, 20% not. Uh, like traditional Israelis in there. I like that it used to be like 70% religious, 30% not. I love that because I think it's good for my kids to see all types of Jews. One of my pet peeves is when kids think you're not Jewish because you don't keep Shabbos, right? Like you're still Jewish. I grew up hearing that. Yeah, Uh, totally. So I like that my kids are seeing all different types. And I think it gives them a very strong, like they're very strong about where they are in the world. They're not relying on everyone around them. So I like the fact that they get that very strong internal metrics for themselves. And I cannot believe too, like, how did you get through having twins? That is a crazy chapter too. Did you come out of your place for like two years? I was like, hold my beer and I moved on. But here, so here's what happened. So really it's my sister's fault that I have twins. So my sister had breast cancer. On her 35th birthday, she got diagnosed with breast cancer. No. And I didn't know that. She was she's now at six, seven years in remission. She's totally fine. Oh, thank you. She's amazing. God. She's a genius. She's oh my perfect. God. Yeah, she's fantastic. She's a doctor in the military. And the one that she, went to Israel? Yes. And she went through a little religious chapter there too. I don't well, know. Two happened. seconds and then she went away. But okay. Look, so, no judgments here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so she tested positive for the BRCA gene. So I had to get tested. Right. I know. So my insurance. I hate insurance in general. Me I mean, too. Insurance is the biggest BS out there. But the one thing they did well is they made me speak to a genetic counselor. And the genetic counselor asked me, what are you going to do if you're positive? And I was like, it all goes. Like, I'm not, I'm not messing around. Like, it is all going to go. You're going to preventatively? Like, I, w- I would have done like a preventative mastectomy. Everything would have gone. Like, I, There's like an 80% chance you're going to get it if you have the gene. So like, I'm not messing around. So she said, oh, so are you done with your family? And I was like, 
for some reason, the fact that it was almost taken away from me, the choice, I like stopped. And if anyone else would ask me, I would have been like, yeah, three kids. Like, what do I need any more kids for? My bracket test came back negative. I said to my husband, let's have one more baby before I turn 40. Oh my God. I had one of those too. Except my one more baby turned out to be two. two. (laughs) So it was really funny. So I was like, so it happened to be the first doctor's appointment my husband had gone with me to since my first baby. Like it just didn't seem necessary for him to come with me to those appointments. Right. So I go, he's like, I don't need meetings. I'm going to come with you. I was like, sure. So now, by the way, I was like 14 weeks by the time I finally went, cause it's your fourth pregnancy. I was like, they don't do anything. What's the deal? So I go in, we're laying there and she's like, oh, is this IVF? And I was like, you're like, I've heard that before. <laughs> I was like, my fourth pregnancy, my oldest is like seven or eight. No. So she's like, oh, well, since you only have one ovary, I just assumed that you did some kind of fertility treatment. And I was like, oh, no. Just very effective ovary. (laughs) So afterwards, she's like, okay, so I have a surprise for you. So now I'm like, ain't nobody want to hear the word surprise in the OB's office. (laughs) That is not the place. So she puts it up and it's a twin A and twin B. And we're like, I look at my husband and I just started laughing. Like I was hysterically laughing. My husband was like, I'm going to throw up. (laughs) I'm like, I'm glad you're laughing. Oh my God. I was was laughing. Right. So then anyways, I leave that appointment and I'm going to now an event, a local event that I was driving to. I'm in the car and you know, that Rachel Platten song, like fight song, it comes on the radio. And I was like, I can do this. I can have twin. I can do this. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, they, I made it to 35 and five. They were tiny, but mighty healthy. They didn't go to the NICU at all. I was like, please nice. take them. I'd like to sleep a little bit. It was like a long induction to get them out. And so I, so anyways, I'm laying on the table after delivering them. They're with the nurses, whatever. And I check in my emails. Kenyatta from MGM emails me. She had a question. I was like, hey, can I get back to you? I just had twins this morning. Can I get back to you later? And she's like, why are you emailing me? And I was like, I, what else am I supposed to do right now? Like, I don't. That is whatever. so crazy. I didn't stress about stuff. I, t- I will tell you though, I was, a, I was a scheduler though. Like, I'm like, your brother's hungry. You are too. Your brother woke up. You are too. Right. So I, I definitely like, That's I sleep, good. I sleep trained them very early. I found this amazing book called 12 hours by 12 weeks. By 18 weeks, they were sleeping 12 hours a night. Like I was on, I was on it. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Wow. So you didn't have help? No, (laughs) did not have help. I mean, I had a nanny for when I was at work, but yeah, no, that was with kid number four at 39. I'm like, yep. Earned the nanny. Totally getting a nanny. I always had a nanny for when I worked because I always felt, first of all, it's cheaper with two to have a nanny at home and send them to daycare. But I just like wanted to be able to, like when they slept, they slept a lot in the beginning, right? They were little. So she could fold laundry for me. She could do little things to help me. She actually, they're four now. And she, it was really funny. So she had a baby early March of 2020. And the agreement was when she had the baby, she would stop working for us. The the baby, the boys would go to school. She has the baby and the pandemic hits. So I was like, well, that worked out well. <laughs> then she was like, do you need any help? And I'm like, what I really need is someone who knows my house. And so she's like a house manager now. Like she helps me. Like I can't do all like people are like, oh, you do everything. I'm like, I don't like I have, she comes to my house three times a week. She helps me keep things in order. She helps me put the laundry away. Not the kids. They do their own laundry, by the way. She has not touched the kids' rooms either. If they're not clean, if they're not organized. She can't, I won't let her go in there and vacuum even. I wonder if my dad has ever heard about certifying a business. I don't know. We should ask him. I'm going to ask him. Is there anything else you'd like to ask him? What's his favorite whiskey? Ooh, <laughs> I think he's probably more bourbon because he's in Kentucky, but Ooh, we love bourbon. I actually spoke at a conference in bourbon and I went to, so I like did a little bourbon tour. Delicious. Yeah. I do love bourbon. This has been amazing. I loved catching up with you. Thank you for wanting to be on. 
Yeah, I know. It's so fun. I love, I love, I want to catch up with you, but it's very hard with everybody's schedule. So this was like a perfect opportunity to do it. Okay. Well, keep in touch. It was amazing reconnecting with you. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Now let's switch it over to grandpa. All right. What did you think of that Heather episode? Well, it's an interesting reunion, wouldn't you say, Rena and Heather? It's almost like going back in time and picking up from an experience that you had with her in Israel, where you're all trying to find direction. You both take uh, paths, and there's a lot of similarities to it, wouldn't you say? Yes, I definitely thought so, too. Yeah, I, I thought it was quite an ironic journey, how both of you have found very similar paths with this experience. There's a a couple of things I'd like to comment on. One was I thought it was terrific that her husband, you know, when they went back to America and he's trying to find a job and wasn't easy to find jobs in in any profession in 2008, especially uh, during that tough year, he had an opportunity to to work as an inside counsel for a, a firm that he knew about. And it was really upstaging uh, his life and going out to Las Vegas. And she said she's ready. The other interesting concept is that if you are in the army, learn certain loyalties, certain dedications to your country, and where you learn what camaraderie ship and teammates is about. Same thing if you play certain sports. The thing that she really helped her where she can uh, perform and is not afraid to be on the stage and it really helps build your confidence, who would believe that joining the circus is that confidence builder where she's able to really pivot and go along with everything and plan for the future and not be afraid to question herself where she just goes for it. Her business concept is, and it also very interesting, is that let's do pre-planning. Let's try to plan when we're not in a crunch. Because when we're in a crunch, we might not always make the best decisions, number one. And number two, you know, when you act in desperation, usually people around you are are not very excited to do business with you in the first place. And if you don't continue to build and grow your business or have the confidence in building your business, that's why you should always be looking for talent, always be looked to do a little hiring, even if it's overstaffing to some degree. It's a lot easier to fire someone or people that are not performing than it is to find good people that can perform and hopefully give you a projectile into more work. And again, brainstorming with people that are smart and are ambitious and that want to grow. That's what makes you grow. That's what makes your company grow. So the more talent that you have is only a good thing. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. Bye.